0: Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard their point. Now, hear the counterpoint on Libertarian Counterpoint podcasts. Good afternoon and welcome to Libertarian Counterpoint. Uh, we're coming at you on July 2nd, uh, middle of a lot of crazy COVID news still and uh, you know, occasional riots still popping up here and there. Uh, but recently, we've also had some news from the Supreme Court. Before we get into that, uh, I want to introduce you to our panelists. Up in the left-hand corner, we have Leon, the word Brathwhite, last word in Liberty. And up in the right-hand corner, uh, we have Tim Everett, our Screaming Eagle of Freedom. Uh, he's a pilot in the state of California. And my name is Jason McPhee, and I will be your host today. Uh, we have a scroll also going down across the bottom of the screen with an email address. Uh, if you have any comments during the show that you wanna send in, or uh, that you want us to address, uh, send them there. And <clears throat> we might even uh, address them in a bonus section if there's enough stuff to go through. And also if you have any personal stories of how your business or job has been impacted by either COVID or the riots, we'd love to hear about it. And maybe we can talk about it on a show in the future. Uh, so please send it there. Uh, so now getting into the news, uh, Spring Courts, uh, they've been uh, pretty active recently. Uh, It's a surprising lurch to the left in a few recent decisions. Uh, We're going to talk about at least three of those decisions today. Uh, To start off, we're going to uh, talk about the uh, recent decision on trans discrimination in the workplace, uh, uh, you know, uh, on hiring practices against uh, transsexuals. They've decided that that essentially has the same protection as uh, sex discrimination, Uh, Racial discrimination, they've added that into all these cases, uh, and they've done it based upon an interpretation that prior language that didn't mention gender, but specifically mentioned sex, uh, includes that so that there's no uh, discrimination uh, based on. I'm not sure if this just affects transsexuals or gay people, too. There's uh, definitions are always a little bit fuzzy on some of these things, but um, Uh, but anyways. uh, uh,
1: both, Both gays and transgenders.
0: Okay, yeah. So, uh, but anyways, uh, it's surprising to one of three surprising decisions, and with Roberts has come down uh, siding with the left justices on all these uh, sort of more the left wing justices. So, anyways, uh, if, if you guys wanted to get into that, you guys have any thoughts on uh, this recent decision?
1: The whole issue here is that I see the gay, the whole issue of, of, of people being gay and people being transgender as two different issues, okay? A gay person to me have physiological responses, you know, to somebody of the same sex, the same physiological response that I would have to somebody of the opposite sex, okay? So whatever it is that caused that, I am not sure, but that to me is a physiological response. However, this transgender thing is slightly different, not slightly different, it's monumentally different, okay? Transgenderism is a sickness, I'm sorry to say it, I know it's not politically correct, it's a sickness all right because if I get up tomorrow morning and I say to you I am a six foot five Chinese woman let's suppose I said that immediately you guys could look at me and tell me hey hey, Leon hold on hold on bro hold on okay you're not six foot five I mean Jason you would know that Tim you would not you would know I'm not six foot five you could look at me and know I'm not Chinese would you what be wearing heels? <laughs> <That's>
0: <laughs> not, I mean, some of these what? may affect our now. <laughs> yes. What and, about you shaved?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. What about the third characteristic, being a woman? Well, you could look at that objectively too. Every cell in my body will still have the Y chromosome. That makes me male. I cannot be claiming to be woman. Okay. So, listen. I am very sympathetic to transgender people, okay? But I cannot accept that I should now say, yesterday you are a man and today you are a woman. I cannot accept that. Now, this ruling by the Supreme Court is going to have far-reaching consequences because look at what is happening in women's sports right now. We have male coming into the women's sports, biological male coming into women's sports. And taking part as uh, taking part in these sports as women, but everybody know biological male are stronger, faster, taller. So what do you think is going to happen? I know there's a court case about that one going on right now. I don't know its resolution, but the consequence of this ruling is going to push things over the edge, way over the edge, far more unintended than the court than the court cases. Because first you get one little inch, and then it's going to stretch into a mile. So we got some problems coming up here with this whole transgender issue. And people are not... Tra- everybody wants to be politically correct and say, oh, we are being so brave. We are not recognizing our people. Yes, I want everybody to be recognized, but use science to do it, not not not, not this junk nonsense. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. Well, Go
0: ahead. I, you know, I, I was to you, Tim, if you don't have anything immediately, I, I wanted to respond to at least no. a couple of things. Okay, so uh, no, one no. of the things I, I wanted to... I mean, I, I certainly think there's a... Uh, point there on on uh, uh, giving uh, giving a little bit and seeing where the slippery slope leads because you know when you do look at women's sports, essentially you're you're telling biological women that you know there's really no uh, future in sports for you. I mean, there's a clearly a difference between men's and women's sports already, but then to sit there and say that um, a person who was born with uh, you know, testosterone, higher testosterone levels, and all the benefits of that. Uh, and then suddenly they decide to change at 16 or 18 or whenever it is that they decide to change, they have uh, a, a physical advantage. It's just that simple. I mean, they're uh, and you know, it's it's funny. I mean, you know, I, even if you just look at, at basic women versus men in sports, you know, I, I heard a statistic recently that you know the fastest uh, women in the world can be beaten by male. You know high school runners you know yes. uh, there's there's you know that some of the fastest male high school runs and those aren't even you know near the fastest you know uh males in the world so i mean it's uh you know it really is not an equal playing field and if you allow for this slippery slope you're disenfranchising women of, of certain rights that the same Title IX is trying to protect them from. So, exactly. So, exactly. so, there, so there, there's certainly a problem there, but you know, I, there, there's a couple other libertarian issues I have more on the jobs front that uh, was, you know, one, I, I think from a libertarian perspective, I think we prefer, or at least most libertarians would prefer, that government just stay out of uh, employer's decision altogether. Uh, you know, I mean, and let the market handle discrimination. Um, and, you know, we've seen things like Jackie Robinson and others where sure. certainly, you know, the private industry led and government followed in these cases. In fact, you know, in Jackie Robinson's story, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, that preceded the, the civil rights laws by over 20 something years. I mean, that started around 1940s where they let Jackie Robinson into pro baseball and then suddenly, uh, well not suddenly, very late, you know, very far down the road in 1964-5 is when the uh, federal government came along with its laws to uh, bar this type of discrimination. And blacks were already right. overrepresented in baseball, so, uh, you know, just by private yeah. competition. So I think there's a case for libertarians to be made that we shouldn't even be trying to mess around with employee and employer decisions and just let market competition. But there's even yet another issue, and that's interpretation of the Constitution and, and, and laws. After the fact, when they sit there and they make this Title IX and they say sex, and then later on, somebody comes along and interprets sex to mean something different than it is, uh, you know, we have this happening in all kinds of other areas as well, where, you know, should uh, the, the documents be a living document that can just be uh, interpreted at will? Or does living document mean that you literally have to go in and make an amendment to it if you want to change a definition? And I much prefer changing the definition instead of just having justices decide that well we, we just have different values today and so we're just gonna redefine the words so I don't know if either of you guys have well, the well, on there's
1: though. one there's one issue see here though Jason there's one issue here okay yeah. the fact of the matter is that thing that we call a constitution is a contract between the govern and the government okay yeah. that's what it is okay and we cannot change we cannot change the uh, the the terms of that contract without going through the process by which it could be amended. Anthony Scalia, who is now dead, God rest his soul, believed in original intent. If the, if words were written with an original intent, those are the words. That's how it should be interpreted, in in whatever age. If we don't like it, if we don't like it, let's go let's go amend it as as provided for in that very document that we call the Constitution. Yeah, so I don't I, believe I in this living that. breathing thing. I don't believe in this living breathing stuff. I really don't. I. I because that means anybody, any judge, could sit down and say, well, you know, I don't really like the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment yeah. just don't make sense in 2020. So we should get rid of that. No. Yeah. No.
2: Yeah, I agree with Leon about uh, about the strict definition uh, of it. Um, uh, and following the the meaning of words when it was written, not today, you know, because a lot of things change, you know, uh, the definitions change, and uh, so uh, words fall out of favor and then become almost meaningless.
0: A perfect example of that is the current redefining of the word racism in all the strife we're having right now, where racism is literally being redefined in certain places to say that if if you you have to have power to be racist, it's not just your way of thinking. And and not only that, in some places, I mean, I think they're literally just saying that if you're you're not white, you can't be racist. That's yeah, the, the argument, that. which is, Yeah. That. So I mean, imagine you know, that. certainly we'd hate to see things like that just change over time as uh, you know one group decides to change the meaning of words or another. I mean, I, I am sympathetic though to the idea that. You know, if if government is doing something, government should not be discriminating uh, against you know different people. uh, You know, but if if it's the private sector, I I think that's a different case that I'd I'd much prefer uh, to see. You know, let the let people work that out themselves because you know the the problem is if you don't, if then you know if the majority happens to be racist, like with Jim Crow laws, then then you get racist laws, and I just prefer the government stay out of that altogether.
1: Exactly. And, and, you know, you talk about the definition of racism changing. I mean, nowadays, now, if you, if, if you don't support a special dispensation of rights to certain groups, you're considered a racist, yeah. right? Like some of, some of us on the right don't believe in, in, in affirmative action. Oh, well, you know, Leon, well, Leon, well, they can't call me a racist because I'm black, but they might call me an Uncle Tom because I'm black and I'm yeah. opposed to affirmative action, which I've always been opposed to. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, speaking of uh, Supreme Court things, just so we don't run out of time, uh, let's jump on to the next one. So Trump was recently de- rebuffed on DACA. So uh, Obama had made a uh, executive order back in his presidency that uh, I believe allowed for uh, uh, these dreamers. They call them uh, you know, um, migrants who are, I, for all intents and purposes, have entered illegally, but given certain circumstances, you know, they, they were allowed to stay, uh, either because, you know, maybe their parents, uh, were the ones who brought them here, or I'm, I'm not quite sure what all the criteria are, were, uh, Trump was trying to through executive order, undo that. And suddenly the Supreme court came down and said that, uh, well, regardless of whether you could or couldn't do it, you didn't follow the proper procedure. So therefore we're going to say that you've you know your executive order is invalid so and, and essentially it's giving those uh daca of uh, uh, people more uh more protection until at least he comes back and uh, redoes his executive order uh you guys have any thoughts on that
2: i don't at this
1: point <laughs> believe it or not well good well you know um There's a, there's a major problem with this ruling. Okay. And, you know, I think the courts are going off, off the rails on this particular ruling. Fine. I could understand why we have compassion for those people. All right. These were people who were brought here by their parents. Okay. Their parents were broke, were breaking the law and their parents brought them here as teenagers or as as underage, whatever. So I could, I will put them in a different category than I have normal illegal illegal immigrants here in, in, in the United States. However, however, Obama did this through executive order. It did not go to the Congress. He did this through executive order. And while I'm very sympathetic to those people, to the kids who were brought here illegally by their parents, if it was done by executive order, it should be able to be undone by executive order. Now the Supreme Court comes in and says, "Well, hold on a second. We're going to remand it back to to, to DHS, uh, Homeland Security, and we have to go through the jump through all of these groups before Trump could undo, undo it by executive order, which Obama did through executive order." Now this is highly ridiculous. Okay, I'm totally sympathetic to these people, but it's ridiculous when you look at the body of the law and our Constitution, which allows a president to to sign out. To, to give all these executive orders, well, then fine. White Trump cannot also lay out an executive order that undo what was done through executive order. It's ridiculous.
2: So you think the Supreme Court is legislating from the bench? Absolutely. Sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I would agree on that.
0: Well, it's one of those things, too, where it seems like, uh, you know, there was no question about whether or not Obama had followed uh, the proper procedures and i you know I, I just recall it being an order i don't recall there being public hearings on on his order prior to it going into effect and i think sure. that's essentially what they're calling for here is that you know well you needed to uh, essentially reach out to the public prior to making these to understand the impacts that this would have on people who will be affected uh but you know uh, it seems like you know one way or another we have to have a clear set of rules uh of how we're going to do this stuff and you know for as a libertarian i i I prefer that those rules be minimized, but uh, certainly there has to be some rules, or or we'll wind up like the Chaz, I guess, in Seattle, where you know uh, the uh,
2: it isn't it is the risk
0: at the border. <laughs> so,
2: my my uh, understanding of the the DACA ruling was that it was in re- reference to, for example, you're a Mexican female woman and you're pregnant and you're you're eight and a half months and you uh, skip over the border to have your child, you you go into America illegally or you overstay your visa and you have your child in the United States, they become a citizen and that kind of thing. Is, is, is that not what they were referring to there? I, I think it's, it's broader
0: than that. I think if, if you were a uh, you know, adult and you bring in an eight-year-old, I mean, that eight-year-old is, oh, okay. is minor and, and he really doesn't have control over his situation. And then he's grown up yeah. here, gone through school, and this is the country and world he knows. And oh, then suddenly okay. you're being evicted. But, you know, this all goes to, you know, some of our crazy rules about, you know, uh, immigration and trying yeah. to essentially plan all this stuff. I mean, you know, the, the simple would be to just say, look, let's, let's get rid of, uh, you know, any, uh, you know, negative incentives towards, Immigration, you know, where you know potentially people could be coming here to exploit a social safety net, and then just let people come. I mean, they're only going to come if there's a job waiting for them, and if there's a job waiting for them, then it's a voluntary exchange between people. And and in that case, you know, uh, you know who's worse off. But you know, when you have this massive government social safety net with all kinds of strange incentives, you know, you, you don't know if if it's not really a voluntary thing at that point for everybody. Right. Yeah. Well, Cato,
2: Cato does a series or has done a series of podcasts on how broken the immigration system is. And they they highlight the numerous ways, uh, including the difficulty uh, and the extremely long wait period to to become a legally documented uh, American citizen. And uh, apparently the, the hoops you have to jump through are, are uh, ridiculously um, difficult and t- and it depends upon where they're coming
0: consumed. from too. Yeah, well, I mean, if yeah. you're coming from a place with with oh, yeah. a, oh, a low sure. amount of people, then you got a short line. And if you're coming from a place where it has a lot of people that want to come in, and you get a long line. You know,
1: and it's just kind of right. Yeah, very uh, arbitrary.
2: It, yeah, and if uh, Apple or
1: well, I could uh, I could tell you guys I'm
0: with. Oh, Leon did did you phrase uh, out or I, I,
1: I was going to let him finish. I'm sorry.
2: No, no. Go ahead, Leon. I was done, pretty much.
1: Uh, You're I'll, right? I'll say I can tell you from personal experience, jumping through those hoops is a non-trivial matter, okay? It took me 16 years from the first day I entered the United States until I became an American citizen. It was a 16-year period, 1977 to 1993. Now, so let the conservative part of me come out here right now, okay? Jason, you just said that we should just open the borders and let them let them come and let it be a voluntary exchange. No, no, I'm not going to agree with that. I believe in sovereignty. I believe that every country has a right to its own sovereignty and thus define what its borders are and who should cross it and who should not cross it, okay? I really and truly believe in that. And I don't believe people should just decide they should get up one morning in Guatemala or wherever the hell they get up one morning. And Jesse said, "Well, I'm going to the United States today, and they should be able to walk across our borders. I am not into that. I'm sorry. Maybe, I, maybe that doesn't make me very libertarian, but I'm not into that one." Well, I, you know,
0: I, I certainly yeah. agree with you that a country should have uh, a right to set criteria for you know who's coming in. Otherwise, it's not really a country at that point. But uh, on the other hand, exactly, I think side, yeah. But I think That's- the flip side is though that you know, uh, if if somebody wants to come here to work, and somebody want somebody to come here to work for them, that's a, a voluntary exchange between two people. And I, I guess I would question some of the rules that prevent this uh, when, you know, I mean, essentially that's restricting the freedom of American citizens as well to engage voluntarily with people, you know, to, to be able to let somebody come here and, you know, if, if they want to work in their engineering firm or if they want to mow their lawn or whatever the case may be, you know, if, if, if it's voluntary, then I, I guess I would question why some of these restrictions are in place in the first place. And certainly I would agree with you, we need to have some restrictions. I guess I'm just, re- you know, questioning some of these restrictions, why they're there, you know, and and, and maybe that, well, we have, and choose a little more carefully.
2: Should have restrictions, but it shouldn't take 16 years to become <laughs> a citizen. So, yeah. Somewhere in the middle.
0: Yeah, Leon, we missed out on your company for uh, 16 years that you could have been... (laughs) All because some planner
1: didn't stop when I in line
0: all that time.
1: When I first came here, I was a social democrat, so I don't know if you really missed out on my company quite (laughs) The waiting in line broke you out of that socialist mentality. (laughs) Excuse me, real quick, believe me. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe a long
0: line curing you of socialism before you get here. Maybe there is a uh, silver lining.
2: <laughs> well, uh, so we the just is losing it. <laughs> the host is gone. The host is done hosting. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, okay, hold on. We, we've we've still got another uh, topic, and oh my gosh, I wanted to, uh, you know, uh, I tell you what, let's uh, shelve the abortion one for another time because we really want to get on the abortion thing. Yeah, uh, sorry,
1: <laughs> we're almost down to four minutes, and I really want to have a good one, one of this? these days. What yeah. Let's, know, uh,
0: jump really into the, well, in St. Louis, we, we had a situation recently where some homeowners came out, Black Lives Matter protest, uh, knocked down a gate and came into a community. And, you know, uh, given the current state of affairs, uh, these I guess these homeowners felt threatened. So they came out of their house. Uh, and now what's become a, a sort of an iconic image going around the Internet of, um, you know, sort of a uh, some middle aged people and you know, pink polo shirt, and, uh, <laughs> and I don't know what the gal was wearing, but you know, wasn't you know, the bottom line is, you know, she's kind of pointing a handgun around wildly, and he's got uh, was it what, what kind of gun was that? Was that an AR 15 or something, Tim, or was that uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah. And so, and then, so they're pointing guns and that does bring up a, a, you know, sort of a debate right now. I mean, uh, you know, people on the left are saying, oh my God, they're pointing guns at peaceful protesters. Again, we hear the word peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, but you know, these guys are no police response either, you know? So uh, well, well, what have you got to say about, it? I know Tim, you really want to talk about
2: this one.
1: Well, yeah,
2: I, um, you know, I, at first glance I was, uh, my, uh, being appalled was the, uh, the, gun, gun handling, the, the muzzle discipline the tr- or trigger discipline, muzzle control, that kind of technical stuff, uh, tactical, the tactical, um, mistakes being made, uh, you know, about coming out, getting close to the, to the protesters. And, and then of course, uh, you know, waving the gun around with finger on the trigger, uh, <laughs> You know, and so you you never know if the chamber is loaded or empty, and so on. But uh, it's still uh, not a uh, not what you would normally hear recommended by a uh, self defense firearms instructor. They, they they don't tell you to do that. Um, so, but the, that kind of stuff, uh, uh, notwithstanding, they were in fear. I. I really do they think I think they had a legitimate fear because the thing about those crowds and, and there was three four hundred people there and they they said they you know they burst through that gate and you know and came one after the other through the gate you can see in the video and uh, they um, were they seemed to be angry especially probably when they saw they, they had guns they were probably more angry than I don't know but the the crowd when the crowd decides to turn on you it doesn't happen over a 20-minute period it happens in 20 seconds and it's it's violent and it's swift and the next thing you know you've got a rock or a brick headed your way and you can't duck out of the way especially when you're out there and close to them and exposed and so on like they did so yes you can critique what they, how they did, what they did, but in the end, if the end is going to justify the means, then they uh, successfully kept their lives and their possessions from getting, and Knucklehead Noise Patrol.
0: Oh. It's time for our knucklehead noise patrol. So uh, this is a point, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great discussion we we're just having, but uh, it's getting near the end of the show. And so we always like to end on something outrageous that has been said by you know a person or a group uh, that uh, is just, you know, beyond belief. And so recently uh, we've heard from the, uh, I think it's the Houston Housing Association of Realtors, uh, and and I'm not sure that they're the only ones, there may be others, but they've recently said that they're going to stop using the term master when describing... Master bedrooms, so you may not be able to find a house with a master bedroom at some point. I mean, I'm sure it'll, it'll, uh, you know, maybe all bedrooms will be absolutely the same, uh, no windows to make sure they're all equal. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but uh, you know, this is something that is, you know, in the news there. Jen. I, I even heard there's a problem. You know, somebody was having with chess sets because you have a white side and a black side. I don't know. But anyway, do you guys have any thoughts on this whole, you know, uh, redefining but, of words? And
2: yeah, we have a master battery switch in the cockpit. Most airplanes have a master switch. It's the main switch that turns the power on usually, like to the battery. So it connects the battery to the to whatever electrical buses that exist in the plane, uh, depending on their electrical system. So we're going to have to change that. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe call it the main switch or something. I mean, no, it's just ridiculous. It's it's just st- stupid. Again, it's it's taking words uh, like, you know, what is racist and and what is sex? Uh, what is your sex? Uh, and it's tur- it's turning them inside out and upside down. It's just total stupidity.
1: This 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 whole issue is beyond ridiculous. If you want the honest truth, okay. Because if we're gonna go down this slippery slope that every word that might have had some connection to slavery, oh my goodness gracious, then we better start really thinking about that because the whole Democratic Party need to get out get out of America because they were very big in slavery and they were all involved in Jim Crow. And they're all involved in the disgraceful conduct that is going on right now in the inner cities involving black and brown kids in public education. So if you wanna go down this slippery slope, then let's go. But let's get rid of the Democratic Party in the process, please. I, I'm
0: a. I, I could get swept away on this slippery slope because I have a master's degree. So, yes. <laughs> me too.
2: Me too.
0: Me too. I have um, no experience uh, in owning slaves, <laughs> so I don't know.
2: <laughs> I guess I, I can't. I can't ever get married again because I have a bachelor's degree.
0: Ah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: Touche. Yeah. That would be a good excuse to use. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I can't. No way I can't. Oh, somebody, somebody's somebody's got to...
0: Okay, well, you know, we're at the end of somebody's our time, but we can uh, take this yeah. into a bonus session. Uh, so let me just roll out the end of the show here. Uh, thank you for listening to Libertarian Counterpoint. And, uh, you know, you can catch us in the future on Facebook uh, to see some of our past podcasts and uh, future podcasts. And uh, um, we will look at the comment in the bonus session. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard their point. Now, hear the counterpoint on Libertarian Counterpoint podcasts. Good afternoon and welcome to Libertarian Counterpoint. Uh, We're coming at you on july 2nd uh, i want to introduce you to our panelists up in the left hand corner we have leon the word broth last word in liberty and up in the right hand corner uh, we have tim everett our screaming eagle of freedom uh, he's a pilot in the state of california And My name is Jason McPhee, and I will be your host today. Uh, We have a scroll also going down across the bottom of the screen with an email address. Uh, If you have any comments during the show that you want to send in or uh, that you want us to address, uh, send them there, and we might even uh, address them in a bonus section if there's enough stuff to go through. And Also, if you have any personal stories of how your business or job has been impacted, either COVID or the riots. We'd love to hear about it and maybe we can talk about it on a show in the future, Uh, so please send it there. Okay, so we're in the bonus session now and we have a comment from uh, Innocente Perez. Uh, It says, can you guys talk about the massive evictions and homelessness we are facing Uh, referring to the moratorium's ending and what are some libertarian views and common sense solutions? That is a big topic and a big issue for society. Uh, so you know, we we uh, haven't come to this with a bunch of statistics uh, with us at the moment, but I, I'm sure we all have some opinions. And uh, uh, so, uh, did either of you guys want to jump in, or I can uh, I can kick it off?
1: Go, go ahead, Jason. Go ahead. Let me let me go ahead,
0: Jason. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, you know that. So one place to follow some of the statistics HUD puts out uh, a report every year, an annual report on homelessness. Um, I'm not sure if, if I've seen the most recent one. I think I saw the 2019 one. Um, it's uh, the, the problem is more prevalent in what are commonly referred to as blue states. Uh, they give percentages of sheltered and unsheltered. Uh, so California, you know, is among the leaders of the nation and unsheltered homeless. Uh, I think we have, they, they uh, uh percentages or or per 10,000, I think is what they they call them. And I think so it's uh, in in California, I think we're somewhere around 40 or 50 people per 10,000 is how they uh, metric it. And uh, to give you a sense, uh, places like Texas, I think it's closer to 10 uh, in 10,000. And a lot of the red states are, you know, right, right around that 10 mark. A lot of the blue states are a bit higher. Uh, the craziest number of all is District of Columbia, where it's literally like 100 per 10,000. So, I mean, just to give you a sense of scale, um, not having that, uh, you know, the, the relevant comparison is I know is correct. I don't have it in front of me, so that I'm assuming that's, uh, that's the correct metric that they're using. But it gives you a nice breakdown in the back of the report, um, and it does beg the question as to why Places regardless of whether they're cold or warm, uh, Hawaii has a large homeless population, and so does New York so uh, this does cross over from you know areas that are cold and warm and I think for Republican states uh, Alaska is actually one of the ones that has the uh, highest homeless population it must be sheltered in Alaska I'm assuming but, uh, you, you know, know you
1: know but you know honestly honestly this this whole homeless thing has become such a political such political correct nonsense nobody's really addressing the real issue here because Homelessness, everybody, some of these so-called activists, these homeless activists, they want to say, oh, we should, just have to give people more homes, more affordable homes, and everything is going to be okay. But homelessness really is rooted in three problems, drugs, alcohol, and mental disease. And these are all problems that people we have to address before we can deal really and truly with homelessness. Or we're never going to be able to solve this homeless problem until we deal with that problem drugs, alcohol, and mental disease. And no politician wants to say that now. Nobody could get up there and say, oh, you know, these, these people are suffering. They are struggling with, with a variety of problems, and we should help them in that regard. I'm, I'm all for helping them. But don't give me the nonsense that, oh, all we got to do is to put them in a the house and everything will be okay. It will never be unless you solve these problems. So what's the libertarian solution for those three issues?
0: Well, I, I, I take a little bit of a stab at it. I, I, I think just to define the problem a little more before jumping into it, one of the you know key ideas of being a libertarian is that you own yourself. But basic property rights, the most fundamental of which is is you own yourself. Therefore, you know, uh, you know all that comes with that. But you know, and then we're big on private property rights. That most fundamental is you own yourself. Well, I guess the problem is what happens if. Uh, you know, almost all the property has ownership, and somebody is in a position where they don't have a place to be. Uh, you know, at, at what point, I guess, does the, you know, do you have a right to be somewhere if you're on somebody else's private property? So you know, you see people gravitating towards commons places, uh, and it's a tough solution because no matter which paradigm you look at, they're going to have problems. I think the problem is more rooted in a failed education system. I think we have had a monopoly on public ed for a long period of time. People are coming out without skills that they can market. Uh, you have uh, you know uh, all these people coming out with a lot of debt and skills that are you know in uh, you know they've they paid fifty thousand dollars plus for a degree and they're in debt and they you know, have some sociology degree that is not in demand. So I think we have a big education problem, and that's a long-term solution, not a short-term solution. The short term uh you know it's uh it's kind of a a tough nugget but i i think we probably have to have some places in commons areas you know not not it's not a private property problem it's more of a you know uh you know some places in the commons and i i think too that you know we have to be a little bit careful about saying you know what rights do they have to other people's services it's one thing to have a right to be somewhere it's another thing to say other people must service them, which is you know a completely different issue. You know, uh, to, to, so I don't know. You guys have well, some thoughts.
1: Well, I'm not. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm totally against all these big government programs and all that kind of stuff. I'm totally, I'm totally in agreement with that with, with that concept. But the, the point is, though. The point is, though, I have no problem with 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 the government temporarily helping people. Okay. Now, it is one thing to say. Welfare is a way of life. Okay? It's quite another to say welfare is somebody something to give somebody a second chance at life. And I have no problem with the government trying to deal with these people in some way temporarily. I don't want them to be there permanently on welfare because I think permanent welfare is, is an evil if you want the truth, if you want the honest truth. But temporarily trying to get people out of their condition into some productive Productive way of life. I, 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 think. I think it will, it will probably serve society in, in in the long run if if we can do so successfully.
0: Here's here's one problem, though. I mean, what do you do with a person who is persistently not going to pick themselves up by their bootstraps? You know, suppose they get that you know two years of assistance from the government, and they still prefer to sprawl out on the sidewalk. You know, uh, afterwards, uh, you know, the question is, do we? do we have a place for them or do we put them in prison um certainly i think it's it's absolutely wrong to allow them to sit in front of some store owners you know uh, entrance right. you know, and yeah. uh, you know these are the private property rights of the store owner to be able to interact with the public and you know just have somebody sprawl out and and or go to the bathroom right in front of their place yeah is, that's happening in san francisco right now yes yeah. Yeah. yeah so i mean these are kind of kind of tough uh, issues uh, no no matter which paradigm you, you believe in, you know, socialist, whatever, you're going to have. You know, and, it, you know, the way some of these countries do it is they just use force and, you know, beat people into prisons or whatever in some of these communist countries or whatever. So there's no panacea where, you know, like somebody's got a great solution to this. You know,
1: there's... there's well, uh, I'm sure, you know, Jason, quite frankly, I'm sure what, I mean, I was just thinking off the top of my head. I'm sure whatever whatever thing, whatever um, solution that these three brilliant minds right here can come up with I'm sure they're going to be problems with it regardless I am sure so the the only the only thing is what what is the, um what is the best of all the bad solutions that are out there yeah.
0: I think I think the the major thing is we we've got to make sure we don't incentivize people being able to not be productive and this brings up something that just happened in the news so Trump uh, they're talking about the jobs numbers and trump has uh, said that their administration wants to cut about six hundred dollars of the add-on that they had, people had gotten who were uh, dependent on the government during this time uh, for the covid response and uh and, and essentially their their point is that look it's not cutting everything it's just we were at a point where some people were finding it's it's Makes more sense to stay home than it does to get back to work, okay. and I mean these are the things you've got to make sure that you have incentives that are properly addressed. I part of the problem, you know, with a lot of poverty programs is they're looking at the problem in a, in a vacuum. So they're they're thinking, well, what do we need to give them help with? But if they're if you're getting help from a, a huge number of different places, it's hard to quantify what the cost of the programs are at that point, when you have a lot of different programs, like I know like a SMUD and some of these others, they will have discounted rates for people who are low income and and other things. So there's, it's not just government, there's a huge network of different groups that are all doing programs. And it, it can become a point where if you're below a certain amount, there may be a massive disincentive to getting above that amount. You know, it may be like this huge cliff that you jump off of just to try to become productive. So,
2: yeah okay um, my turn so I'm gonna try to uh, first of all buenos uh, días inocente como está usted uh, señor and I'm gonna try to hit on a couple of little things or that some of the things pointed out uh, little by little I I think uh for for one of the things is homelessness means there's probably not enough homes. So the, the libertarian solution would be to reduce government's um, extreme expense that people have to, home builders have to go through to build homes. So we need to build more homes if we don't have enough homes for the people. And so that's that's one libertarian solution. A libertarian solution to the uh, the people that are affected that are that are truly deeply homeless because they're addicted to drugs would be to end the drug war. On uh, at least that would be my solution on uh, all uh, drugs because uh, the war is over. The drugs have won. So what happens? Uh, in the the drug industry is to uh, make it easier to get your product from point A to point B, you have to make it as small as possible, which means the drugs have to be as powerful and potent as possible so that when they get to point B, then you can, you know, distribute them and cut them and do this and that. So that leads to addiction because people are getting all different types of dosages. So the libertarian solution is to decriminalize uh, super hard drugs like heroin and um, cocaine and that kind of thing, so that uh, people that do choose to do that can do that under some kind of controlled, uh, controlled environment. That would also uh, coming with strings of uh, attach. And and this has a little bit of government interference in there too, because it it has to be allowed and it has to be regulated. And so uh, that these people can get therapy and to to get uh, drugs that are of a known uh, dosage so that they can get off their addiction and, and that would help with some of this homelessness and people in the streets. I, I think Innocente's question uh, was um, more to do with what has happened as a result of this pandemic. and um, and he's got another question. but um, anyway, the, uh, uh, the libertarian solution is is usually one that doesn't that has a reduction in the, uh, the government s- solutions in the past that have caused more problems, for example, and, and that's what the one about uh, the fatherless uh, family, the destruction of the family that has resulted from governments uh, interfering state and, uh, and federal in the family unit. And, and that would be a libertarian solution that would uh, strengthen the family by getting rid of those crutches that have been used to disable the family in the past. So, you know, we need fathers to be doing their fatherly jobs so that we don't have future homeless people. And that's the libertarian way to go about doing it.
0: Well, not only that, Tim, but you make a good point with the drug war. When you criminalize people, suddenly you have a criminal record. It makes it a lot harder to come back and yeah, get a no. good job, get be able to pay right. your bills if you're being turned down for every job because you have a criminal record for essentially uh, a voluntary activity or consensual activity. Uh, she, and, and Sente has another question. So the government told us to stay home for the RONA and some people are now three months behind on pay. So uh, n- no. now they are facing evictions because they just can't pay as well. And this does run up against at least one uh, issue of private property rights. Recently, Gavin Newsom here in California has. Uh, uh, extended uh, the amount of time that somebody can't be evicted to the end of July. Now that was one of his recent executive orders. And so, uh, you know, and this is a you know a question of private property rights. We're in a bad situation, like Tim said, because of a lot of past government actions making housing mm-hmm. unnecessarily more expensive because of a lot of zoning laws and other crazy restrictions. We had something on Libertarian Counterpoint a while back where somebody wanted to build a housing unit in San Francisco. And they were going to knock down a laundromat to do it that they had. And suddenly the city wanted them to do a it was like a twenty thousand dollar study on the historical importance of coin operated, you know, laundromats. And you know, just and then and then they were being hit by the city where you're going to cast a shadow on a nearby playground during part of the day, so therefore you. you can't you know this group doesn't want you to build it? And suddenly, when when you don't have the ability to make decisions about your own property, that raises yeah. the expense to everybody. And suddenly, yeah. nobody can build easily and, and solve some of these problems. Uh, but uh, but uh, you know, it, this brings into a question. You're yeah. wondering, you know, if people are going to be evicted. You know, well, the problem is. The property owner has rights too, and you know to, to say that these people yeah. now suddenly can't get paid. Somebody gets to stay there indefinitely is another central planning disaster as well in the making, and we may be seeing a lot of uh, you know people uh, with foreclosure problems coming up, and you know problems just paying for their own expenses. Uh, if you you're yeah. sitting there having to pay for power and super and everything else, and suddenly you can't get collective rent check. Either. Um, <laughs>
1: This, is, this, this this is a, a a real problem for for property owners. You know, I, I my wife and I own some rental property. I mean, we don't we're not facing any situation of anybody not paying us or anything like that. But the potential is there. So people don't even understand. We have a mortgage to pay regardless. The mm-hmm. bank is not. When well, I go to the bank and tell me, you know, well, you know, my my my, my 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 renter is out of out of work and they're out of work for the last three months and I'm not getting any any rent. And I, I can't pay my mortgage. You think the bank is gonna care? The bank is gonna yeah. care. You think the bank is gonna look at me and say, "Well, buddy, don't worry about it." Yeah, people and don't understand these
2: things. Let's let's move it forward in time. So let let's say that Leon had uh, tenants that would not pay their rent because they lost their job because of the Corona virus. So um, now let's let's look at six months down the road, and now Leon can't make his payments on his property, so they go into foreclosure and. Uh, he has to declare bankruptcy, and now there's uh, three, however many, uh, at least one more property that's out there on the market, and uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't help the person still uh, looking to rent. You know, exactly. um, it, um, it, uh, it also disincentivizes people to own rental property if the governor is going to come along and say, well, you can't evict anybody then who's going to build units to rent out to people so that there's more available housing in the future so you know it's, it it just gets to be a um, a a, constant, a vicious cycle and you know it's mm-hmm. got to end somewhere and so because
0: your your director and producer yeah. has campaign duties to attend to <laughs> We've answered your question and sent it as best as we can. This was kind of a wild card question for us today since we hadn't really prepared for it, but hopefully we, we gave some libertarian perspectives on that for you.
1: Indeed.
2: Indeed. Well,
0: I'll tell you what, if you catch Libertarian Counterpoint um, Sunday next week, the regular Libertarian Counterpoint, I'll put the homelessness on the agenda and I'll talk about
1: it. Awesome.
2: <sighs> okay.
0: So if okay. you guys want to get it, you watch the regular TV show. Where I think we're recording Sunday, but it will come out next week, early next week. You guys can watch that, and we'll I'll put it on the agenda, and we'll have a me Richard and whoever our guest is. We'll have a t- we'll have a chat. All right. Okay.
1: okay. All Sounds right. Good. Good.
0: Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. And again, you can catch us on Facebook, uh, see some of our past shows, and uh, catch uh, and James just uh, joining us. Uh, he is a councilman running for, uh, or he's a prospective councilman running for District Seven. Uh, we think he'd be a great. We, we solemnly give you our endorsement. Here <laughs> for District Seven. <laughs> a, it's it's a for District Seven. Just to be clear, and I'm actually on the ballot in November. So
2: very good. All right, you guys. Thanks, guys.